Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Grindhouse Presents No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, That's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me, as always, the one and only Doug Tilly. He's Doug Tilly. Number one super guy. Are we back, Mo? Could it possibly be true that we are back? <laughs> yeah. No Budget Nightmares is back. I just can't even believe it. It seems like it's been forever. It has been forever. But yeah, we're so much has happened since the last time we were recording. Uh, if that is the understatement of the century. <laughs> <laughs> what a long, strange trip it's been uh, over the past few weeks. Um, uh, let's. Uh, I guess we should do a little housekeeping right off of the uh, the start. Um, I've moved. I've moved into a new location, and uh, with that, hopefully in the near future, we'll see uh, a, an improvement in terms of my audio quality, because I'm going to be picking up some better equipment for podcasting. Got to take this seriously, Mo. It's uh, my new career. It's very important. It's very important. It's obviously the only uh, outlet that I have, so I need to, to really <laughs> kind of dig my teeth into it. Um, but some other things have happened as well, Mo. And we should definitely talk about them. I, I, right, I, I say we should talk about them, but like... Not mention any names, <laughs> of course. <laughs> We're not going to go into too much detail. First thing I want to mention, because I want to start on a positive note with us coming back, is uh, those who are regular listeners of No Budget Nightmares uh, might uh, remember that our last episode was about the film Gorno, an American tragedy. Yeah, it was a little painful. It was a pretty painful movie. Did not enjoy that movie very much. I think we are both agreed that that movie was not a very good movie. It ranks pretty high in our in our list of the worst of the worst. If I recall correctly, maybe even number two of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where we. I think that's where we finished it off with. We finished it off at, at second place. And there are some people who might hear that. Say you were creatively involved in the making of that film, and you were to hear us maybe tear it apart a little bit in our ninety minute plus uh, podcast, and you might get a little upset. Theoretically, you could get a little upset if you were creatively involved with it. Yep. Uh, and uh, those who did listen to that episode might remember that the directors of that film were uh, Oliver Asaran, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Les Norris. Uh, and we even probably poked a little fun at the two of them uh, in the last episode. But I am very pleased to say that <coughs> both of these gentlemen have contacted us, and instead of doing something lewd and lascivious <laughs> or... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not referring to anything. Uh, instead of being uh, complete pricks, they instead were like amazing guys. Yeah, they were awesome. They were they were very uh, cool about it. 
very, very cool about it. Uh, not only cool about it, but they listened to the episode. They really enjoyed it. They contacted uh, us uh, through the Facebook page, and I got an email. Uh, and and I'm actually, I, I we're going to, uh, I'm going to hopefully be uh, watching some of uh, their recent projects or or individual projects in this case, and uh, and see what kind of progress they've made because as they're very open about, and and this is pretty refreshing as you'll hear about in a moment. <laughs> Uh, this was a movie that they made when they were young, uh, that they were trying just to get out there and make a movie uh, that, that uh, a lot of it didn't make even sense to them when they really did, did make an effort to try to answer some of the questions we had about the film, why characters disappeared. Why characters why didn't exist. Why certain characters only appear as a photograph <laughs> three seconds at the end. <laughs> and, uh, and it was nice to hear that. Some of our suspicions were confirmed. Yeah, they're like, uh, they're like, yeah, we totally forgot to film him. <laughs> <laughs> but really, they're great guys, and uh, and certainly, uh, let's make this awfully clear. Oh. These are just movies. They're just movies, man. <laughs> yeah. And we do not hold them against people. If I did, then I wouldn't be able to say things like how much I love Todd Sheets. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that I. Uh, and, and uh, actually, Todd Sheets, uh, those who follow the No Budget Nightmares Facebook page or Todd Sheets uh, on Twitter or Facebook know that he's just recently gone through a quadruple bypass and he's been in the hospital for quite a while now. Just got released yesterday, in fact. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, I mean, Todd, we wish him all the best. But we don't hold these movies against people. They're, they're not things where, even though they're 90 minutes and sometimes it's painful to go through and we record this podcast, if anything... Uh, you know, we love the fact that people are making these efforts. So it's 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 distressing to me to think that anyone would take offense at what we think is generally constructive criticism. Yeah. I don't like to do personal attacks or anything like that. No, no, I don't think I don't think we've ever done personal attacks any against any filmmakers or anything like that. I mean, it's not our style. Not our style. Our style is generally pretty happy-go-lucky, <laughs> which is interesting, Mo. Yeah. Uh, because of the next part of this tale, man. Uh, which is that, and and you can jump in at any point, Mo. Uh, sure. Yeah, it affects me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's possible, and again, no names, no details, unfortunately, just just for everybody's sake, because we're trying to get past this. That a filmmaker who directed one of our uh, one of the films previously featured on No Budget Nightmares the podcast uh, may have ended up listening to that episode, <laughs> and may have ended up getting very upset about it. Very. Maybe upset to the point of, and now I'm being careful now, that he started sending... Well, well let's, we're just going to stick straight to the facts. He sent some pornographic images to both Mo and myself um, and sent some weirdly, I'm not going to use the word threatening, but weirdly confusing uh, <laughs> messages that, um, that, that could be interpreted as threatening. Uh, um, yeah, and, I mean, especially the one he said about me. Yes, it, which did sound threatening. Again, I apologize to anyone listening that we can't get into too much detail. Yeah, I mean, anybody who knows the details knows the details, but I mean, right. I, I think I think the story in and of itself is is pretty interesting enough to. to, to it go really, through. it really, yeah, it really is. And and give us a couple of years, and we'll give you every detail you want. But uh, right now, it's all still pretty fresh. To be totally honest, and Mo knows this is absolutely the case. Whole, the whole uh, experience freaked me out really a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was a really weird couple of days. Uh, it felt really uncomfortable. There were some threats. 
of legal action. Uh, and yeah, we're doing a podcast, people. That's how serious this shit got. Um, you can uh, draw your own conclusions about what that film may or may not have been, or who that filmmaker may or may not have been. But I'll tell you what, uh, it was weird and uh, freaky and a little scary. So let us reiterate about how much we love films and how we are not looking to tear into anyone's films. And how, by the way, in the uh, episode in question, we were really not very vicious at all. No, we in weren't. Fact, I, I went back and I listened to it that night, like the, the, the day that all this mess happened. And I went back and I listened to it. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, we're, you know, we tear into the film. You know, we're, I mean, we're not incredibly kind to the, to the movie itself, but it wasn't a good movie. You know, I mean... We said, I mean, and we were honest. Also, on that note, is that we also paid the movie several really nice compliments, you know, during the course of the uh, of the podcast as well. I mean, we were we were impressed with certain aspects of the film. Uh, it's just that the rest of the film was no good, you know. I mean, and that the argument the argument on on their part, on the filmmakers' part, seems to be that we presented what was our opinion as fact. So let me just make something very clear: the movie in question is shitty. But that's my opinion. Yeah. It, it's also fact, but it's uh, it's that fact is only from uh, general consensus from a group of opinions. Yeah. Um, look, it, no one. <laughs> we're we're already working on a sliding scale here, people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what we needed. I I, I don't want to linger on this, uh, and uh, because it's it. Unfortunately, without a lot of these details, it's probably not that interesting to listen to. Hit us up uh, for, if you look back over our No Budget Nightmares Facebook page, you'll get a sense of what was going on yeah. during that time period. You know, I showed, um, I showed my mom the, uh, the picture of me that was sent over, right. and she laughed. At the time... I mean, I laughed, too, until I realized it was kind of, you know, yeah, not done and fun. It, it, it was a whole, very strange experience. Uh, <laughs> so, strange is the best term you could probably use. So we're going to try not to let it affect our performance. Uh, we're going to try to to be straight shooters like we always are. Yeah, whatever. Uh, and I, I'm going to try to restrain Mo when he gets a little out of hand. Nope. Oh, b- by the way, I was told, Mo, that y- you tend to kick me around on this show. <laughs> Shut up, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I mean, I didn't think that I was uh, I was this pushover. I-, I thought I was a wilting flower, and you were uh, a- you were a bee that is pollinating me. Uh, what? What's going on wow. here? Um, <laughs> that went someplace weird. <laughs> Uh, a- anyway, we're, we're going to put it behind us. Uh, it- it's not that big of a deal. Um, I needed something that was a palate cleanser, and that brings us to today's movie. Yeah, we watched Death Metal Zombies. Todd Jason Cook's 1995 zombie opus. comedy <laughs> opus. That's great. Opus is perfect for this. Death Metal Zombies. It was, and it was, oh, it was so great. This movie is, is a lifesaver. This movie was the movie, movie we needed. Yeah, because we've had a rough couple of episodes we anyway really for the movies. I can't even remember what was before Gorno, but I remember it not being good. Yeah, I don't remember. What, I, mean, I don't either. Well, I think it may have been. Uh, it may have been the sorority babes and the dance. Oh, maybe, death. maybe. Yeah. Get get well, Todd Sheets. Make <laughs> movies. Um, but this and, and what's kind of funny about uh, Death Metal Zombies is that Todd Jason Cook would be considered one of uh, Todd Sheets' contemporaries. Absolutely. Uh, someone influenced by Todd Sheets, someone... I mean, we've talked over and over again about how uh, the films of Todd Sheets really influenced a lot of young filmmakers in the early 90s, and Todd Jason Cook is one of these guys. They, they I mean, I have... I'm friends with both of them on Facebook, and they have been working together and everything. Um, 
so, and I hope that hopefully that continues. That's actually quite an interesting thing for for this show to see what they're going to come up mm. with. Um, but Todd Jason Cook, uh, very uh, <laughs> a very interesting guy, skateboard uh, professional skateboarder in the '90s. Obviously, a big fan of heavy metal. But I have a question for you before we get into anything, Mo. Sure. <laughs> what What is your opinion on death metal or uh, in this movie, they kind of blur the lines between death metal and heavy metal. But what's your opinion on death metal and heavy metal music? Like, oh, like musically? Um, I, I'm, I'm uh, you're a musician, Mo. I need to know your opinion. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm heavily influenced by a lot of different things. You know, uh, I, I, I liked. I mean, this wasn't always true, but I think in, at this point in my life, I have a very eclectic taste in music. Uh, there definitely was a time when I was around 12 or 13 where, uh, where I listened to to heavy metal and you know and the heavier stuff exclusively like that's all i listen to like what what would give us some examples um oh i was a huge slayer fan i still like slayer but not not to the extent um i mean a lot of thrash like anthrax exodus uh testament um i loved pantera um trying to think of who else it's been a while uh except i like them okay uh big kiss fan Although I don't really, you know, they don't really fall into the. This this is where this is what this is where we're gonna run in into trouble here. <laughs> <laughs> I was right with you. I was with you through Slayer. I was really with you through Anthrax, who I love. Uh, but uh, and this movie, um, and in, even in the closing credits, they thank Kiss as being an influence. I fucking can't stand Kiss. <laughs> uh, and I understand that a lot of horror movie fans they love Kiss, and I appreciate that. But I think they fucking suck and i don't understand how they're at all like they're certainly not death metal but they're not even they're not heavy man no i would never call them i I don't call them metal they're a rock band easy straight up kiss meets the phantom of the park (laughs) is one of the greatest (laughs) movies ever i love that movie gene simmons roars at a guy <laughs> they should they should take one of these death metal bands and put them in a movie <clears throat> like that where it's all Scooby Doo music <laughs> in the background. <laughs> what are these bands that are the, the soundtrack of this? I mean, they have brutality and dismember and disrupt yeah. and mortician. Um, yeah, it, it. I like death metal. Uh, I watched the, that documentary. Um, oh shit, I wish I could remember the title on on Netflix uh, about uh, about uh, kind of Norwegian death metal uh, a little while ago and and uh, what's that called it like remi- before the light takes us or whatever yes I think that might be the the one and I, I, very very interesting but I'll admit that though I love punk music and I love hard music and hardcore music I'm not really a big metal fan yeah I mean it's not for everybody not for everybody though the the one the, obviously the bands that you cited are are uh, they're kind of beyond reproach. I'm, I'm speaking more of kind of the, well, hair metal certainly, but but the the music in this movie, um, even though they do refer to Kiss and uh, and a few other bands, but that, they never play mean, any Kiss. It's all they don't play. All, I mean, it's all relapse, you know, bands. So right, real death metal, real death metal, yeah. And it's good. I mean, it really works in this movie. Well, that's what I was. That, that was one of the first notes that I that I made was I was saying like. You know that that this is one of those few situations where the, you know the the music actually fits the movie and it's and it's good. You know it's like not, you know there's so much crappy music in uh, in in this area of filmmaking that to, to actually have a soundtrack that's listenable is you know appreciated. 
and it's pretty wall to wall. Uh, mm. And 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 there's like there's a what a good dozen different pans, and there's lots of songs. Yeah. Uh, it, the movie starts with a a, a a banner on the screen saying, "Play this movie loud." I mean, yeah. Granted, they stole that from the Driller Killer, but still. And I think that the Driller Killer may have been referencing, though it's an odd movie to reference. Mm. The first movie I ever saw it on was uh, Martin Scorsese's documentary, The Last Wall. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Play, play this movie loud. But, uh, but certainly this one is more likely to have taken it from <laughs> the Driller Killer. <laughs> <laughs> but I love, I love how this movie opens. It's just like, I mean, like there's five minutes before the opening credits even happen, and like, and we start off with a guy who's walking down some back alley, and it really isn't until they, until they, he kind of like walks past the camera that you realize he's wearing like these jams you know and I, like i was so happy when i saw that i'm like jams <laughs> i don't know i'm glad it made you so happy Mo. Yeah. <laughs> then he, he ends up backing up into a tree and Rick, richard nixon starts feeling him up and all of a sudden he starts spitting blood it's very weird not the actual richard nixon no, yeah, not the, yeah a guy in a richard nixon mask who i don't think is yeah. ever really revealed but yeah yeah, the the Richard Nixon aspect of the film, uh, where there's a character who uh, we hear about a serial killer on the news and things like that, about a, wearing a Richard Nixon mask and killing people, doesn't really make any sense. Makes it seem like it might be from a, a different film that he just decided to put the parts into. Yeah, it doesn't really fit together, but that's okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it's interesting that we mentioned that the death metal really serves the movie well because that might give the impression that this is a movie that's kind of uh, sludgy and serious and it's like a serious attempted at horror. No, and not at all. It's not. This is a goofy movie and it knows how goofy it is. Well, you got to remember, I mean, like, like a lot of people look at, at metal as this, like, serious sort of behemoth, you know, that, like, you know, I mean, and, and for the most part, it is. There's a lot of, there's a lot of very serious metal out there, very, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't know, I don't think austere is the right word, but you know what I mean. Like, it's very, it, it's very into itself. It's very... Yeah, it's very self It's very self it's, yeah. Uh, but, but there's this whole wing of metal that's super goofy. You know, where you got, and it's, and it's a lot of thrash bands that are really, really just fucking silly. Like, I mean, I think Anthrax is probably the best example of that. Sure. Um, but I mean, and I, and I think, although this band, this, this uh, band, listen to me, this movie's playing a lot more of the, the more serious, you know, uh, Cookie Monster, you know, kind of death metal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cookie, cookie, cookie. <laughs> cookie. <laughs> um, I think that, I think that it definitely takes its sense of humor more from the, uh, from the anthrax side of the tracks. And, you know, the, the, the movies movies that it most reminded me of, and it's kind of funny, um, are, are two other movies that were very heavily influenced by music, and that's John Michael Thor's 80s movies, Rock and Roll Nightmare oh, and so, Zombie Nightmare. So great. I lo- and and this, the, the kind of the plot of this movie, it could have come right from one of them. Sure, sure. Which I love. I mean, I love that it, it plays as sort of a uh, death metal tribute to John Michael Thorpe. <laughs> Canadian content. Canadian content. I love. I love Thor. Yeah. Thor is great. I got to see him perform once about like twelve years ago, and uh, you know, he, yeah, because yeah, he was like a, he was like a he was essentially like a strong man. You know, like he did those like strong man competitions. He'd so. bend bars. Yeah, he like bend bars and like he'd blow up hot water bottles until they exploded. It was it was just crazy. Like, and here here we've got this guy who had to have been at least in his at least in his fifties by this point, maybe even his sixties. You know, coming out on stage like in like fucking like rubber armor and uh, you know and wearing like he was he was literally wearing like seven masks. Like after every song, he would take another mask off. You know. 
know. And, uh, and he was just doing these crazy feats of strength. He would rip a phone book in half and bend metal bars. And, <laughs> like, you know, and he bent a frying pan. And, I mean, it was just, it was it really, I mean, an amazing show. It was just, that man is the consummate entertainer. Oh, it was great. It was great. Most of their music is terrible. <laughs> well, um, well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, there some I remember some of it getting played on uh, on Canadian well on Much Music our our MTV equivalent back in the eighties uh, they would play the the Thor song the one that goes you gotta keep the dogs away <laughs> you gotta keep the dogs at bay but that's the only Thor song that I'm that I know outside of the movies uh, with, with the songs that are played in that uh, but I digress I think we're getting <laughs> topic a little so there's a killer in a Nixon mask yes. And he's preying on a, uh, in this case, a group of girls who are watching a movie, the, a, a uh, quote-unquote amazing slasher flick, flick uh, which which was called Evil Night. Evil Night, which is the director's first film. Shocking! Yeah. I'm so shocked because <laughs> yeah. that, that never happens in these movies. Yeah. I, there is an attention to detail in this movie. I think that goes above most uh, super low budget movies. Sure. They're, they're, in this in this scene where they eject the movie, there's a newscast in the background where they're um, where, where they're explaining that there is a serial killer and the Nixon the Nixon killer. Yeah. Uh, and though the though the voiceover isn't very convincingly news like, um, it is very comical. It's, it's, it's hilarious. To listen to. Like I love I love where he said like uh, one one might have said that he was worse than this Nixon mask because he might want to be president. <laughs> <laughs> that line killed me. You know, and then uh, and then as they're walking down the stairs, you know, as they're walking down the stairs to, I guess they're going to the kitchen. Uh, this this little uh, this little clip is is played. I mean, if I was going to dress like the president and kill people, I would have picked somebody who already killed the nation, like Clinton. <laughs> oh, the more innocent mid nineties when uh, Clinton when, when when getting a blowjob at the White House seemed like the worst thing you could do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Ray Romano, you know, telling the news. <laughs> Here's Clinton. So the girls go downstairs to get something to eat, yeah. and they're looking for pizza. And one of them opens up the freezer, and she goes, "Hey, hey, I got crabs. <laughs> hey, I got crabs." Uh, look, we're not saying that this is uh, this isn't Neil Simon. This isn't uh, some highbrow uh, comedic material here. But uh, hey, it's funny. That's all I give. That made about. I, look when she said, "Hey, I got crabs." That made me laugh. That's all that matters. <laughs> So she closes the fridge door, and Nixon is there, um, and he uh, – this whole scene doesn't really make a lot of sense. He kills her. He breaks her neck. Yeah. Um, and the other girls try to escape, and when they go outside, there's zombies there. Yeah. It's, I, and Death I, metal zombies. Yeah, and I didn't understand what the, hell the, uh, what the hell the connection was between Nixon mask and the death metal zombies, and it's just – it's never explained. Ever. I have a theory, and we'll, we'll get to it uh, <laughs> okay. a little later. <laughs> I have lots of theories, Mo. But I, but um, I love when, like, when they go outside, like, it didn't look like, I mean, like, the, like the, the quote-unquote zombies, like, didn't look like zombies. At least the first one they encountered doesn't. He just looks like a drugged-out hippie, you know? <laughs> the zombies are, it's, they're so mid-90s, like, a lot of them are wearing plaid, a lot of them have jean jackets on, yeah. and uh, it, it's, it, they're... they're <laughs> I say that they all come from the Sam Kinison school of dressing. <laughs> 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 um, and these zombies uh, surround these girls and they uh, attack them. And uh, that that scene um, opens the movie, but doesn't really connect to anything we're about to see. <laughs> what the fuck is that? No. Thank goodness, by the way, because though that opening is fine, I mean it's funny. It has a, cu- a few amusing moments. Uh, it 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 
makes the film seem a little more low rent and disjointed than it ends up being. It's perfectly the plot itself. It's silly, but it's perfectly easy to follow once we get into it. Yeah, exactly. After the opening credits, there you know you're kind of past the point of the. Uh, what the fuck is that? You know. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, but but pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we have the opening credits. We get this. Uh, yeah, and and uh, it introduces us to some of the bands that are going to be playing. Did you notice, Mo, that one of the bands? Um, there's let's see. There's Pungent Stench, <laughs> and there's Dead World and Brutality and Dismember and Disrupt and Mortician and uh, Winter. <laughs> Sorry, these are real bands. Yeah, I know yeah. it. Uh, but one of the bands is Exit Thirteen, and in the and they were actually a fairly well-known band. But I believe in the opening credits they uh, have their name misspelled as Ev. E-V-I-T-13. I didn't notice that. Maybe I'm making it up. I feel bad, Todd Jason Cook, if I've misrepresented <laughs> you, but I'm pretty fucking sure that it's misspelled. That's great. <laughs> I wrote it down. Uh, this movie delivers, by the way. It not only delivers... Uh, it's 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 like the... It's interesting that this guy was influenced by Todd Sheets because it delivers in a way that those early Todd Sheets movies really didn't um, in that it starts right away with some nudity. Um, yeah. High-quality high nudity. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the, exactly. That I, um, <laughs> you, you seem a little flustered there, Mo. Uh, my brain is off. Um, yeah, no, you're right though. I, like, I, I even made a note that said, like, uh, you know, it's like finally we're watching a movie with some nudity in it where we don't need the fucking butterface butterface alarm. Now, uh, no more butterface alarms. <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually, there was a zombie near the beginning that, um, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and there's definitely one at the end. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, it does start with, uh, and it's actually great, uh, the opening scene after the credits introduces us to almost all the, uh, oh yeah, there's the music, yeah. uh, introduces us to all the major characters that we're going to encounter in the film. Uh, and uh, that includes, and I guess we should go through them now because we're going to keep coming back to them anyway. Uh, and let's see if you know them all, Mo, because I certainly do. I don't. <laughs> well, okay. Our main character, uh, for the most part, is named Brad, and he is the world's biggest Living Corpse fan, Living Corpse being apparently a death metal band. Now, Brad, I have to admit, is pretty much the embodiment of every metalhead. Isn't he great? Like, he I, really does seem like one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, like, every metalhead I ever knew in the 90s is Brad. Yes, and and he's he's. It's funny because he's not he's not a good actor, but he really is convincing as one of these metalheads. <laughs> yeah, to the point I mean, where you maybe he was. In fact, almost certainly he was. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe, maybe he was actually a really great actor because he pulled off that metalhead perfectly. I will say that him as as uh, well. Oh, sorry, I don't want to give too much away. But Zombie <laughs> Brad, a little bit later, I think is awesome. He's yeah. way better. Uh, Brad's best friend, apparently, is uh, a doofus because it's the mid '90s, so the movie has to have a doofus character, mm -hmm. and that's Tony. And Tony's played by the director, Todd Jason Cook. You know, it makes you wonder if uh, if his character being named Tony wasn't sort of a uh, not-so-sly homage to uh, Tony Hawk. Maybe, because as we know, uh, Todd Jason Cook, also known as Todd Falcon, uh, inventor of the Falcon something or other. <laughs> slide, I think. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry Todd, if you listen yeah, the, to this, I don't know anything about this. Slide, Falcon stall, Falcon, yeah. Go on YouTube and do a little search. He's done. He seems very impressive. Uh, I don't know anything about skateboarding outside really of the first either. two Tony Hawk Pro Skater video games. <laughs> <laughs> but he seems very good. <laughs> but so he plays Tony, who's like a he's a doofus. He's a he 
uh, says a lot of stupid things, um, and he's supposed to be the comedic relief for most of the scenes that he's in. Uh, and uh, not Tony. <laughs> Sorry, I fucked up. Okay, Brad's girlfriend is Angel. Angel. Angel, a very attractive young woman who um, is ends up being kind of a very important part of the plot as we go along. And then they also have two other friends. The uh, the girl who uh, is in the shower, who is uh, gives us some of the nudity at the beginning, uh, nipple ringed nudity at that, mm. is Kathy, and her boyfriend is Johnny. Uh, now, if the IMDb trivia is to be believed, Johnny was originally supposed to be the lead character in this film. However, he is not the lead character. <laughs> <laughs> he he does not get a lot of screen time. In fact, he gets very very little. Very little. And uh, I'm guessing that has something to do with the long gestation period of this movie. I think it filmed over, what, like nine months or something. Wow. So uh, so I guess uh, Johnny didn't make it all the way through uh, and certainly doesn't make it all the way through the movie. Spoiler! <laughs> so uh, Brad um, is, again, biggest fan of living corpse in the world, and he discovers from Tony that uh, there's going to be a contest on the radio and I love this contest that, that they can that he can win an exclusive tape a tape tape. This is 1995. He can win an audio tape, uh, which which will have their latest album on it, but also a special song, a special song just for the winner of this contest. It will exist nowhere else, and he shouldn't make copies of it. They're very adamant about that. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so it's funny because while this uh, explanation is going on on the radio, of course they turn on the radio. It's exactly at the point that they need to hear it. <laughs> the, the, the radio DJ actually stops to let them explain things and then continues. I thought, it, I mean, it's hilarious. It, it, it actually is really legitimately funny, and uh, I, I was very, very pleased. Here we go. Deadline this month. Who gets your card soon? What's the address? The address. What's the address? Find it here. If I could find it. Ah, here it is. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so uh, Brad is the biggest fan in the world, so of course he's going to enter the contest, and uh, and of course this scene ends with uh, Tony uh, being his. What was the contest color. for again? What was the contest <laughs> for again? Uh, I'll be a uh, yeah. It, t- Tony's a fun character, so so they do send um, the letter and um, they uh, they have a little conversation. I guess Brad is a little down on the fact that he hasn't had a lot of luck lately, uh, and he has a little conversation with Angel about this very fact. I always have that luck. Oh, stop it! You have good luck this time. <laughs> you will win. <laughs> you guys are full of crap. Millions will be entering. Think positive, dude. I mean, you've written more fan club animal corpse than anyone on the face of this planet. That doesn't mean that I'll win. It's an advantage. Quality actor. Well, I hope you guys are right. Things have gone pretty good so far, right? I mean, you've written so much fan about the living corpse and they've responded to some of your letters. Plus, you've got to meet them backstage. Yeah. Now, how many fans get that kind of luck? Yeah, I guess you're right. I do have good luck sometimes. And I'm going to make good use of that tape if I win it. You know I'll play everything to death. We know. <laughs> I mean, it's it, again the acting is not great, as you can tell, but uh, it's so good-natured. I mean, they're just trying to cheer him up so he can win his death metal tape that he loves oh so very much. Millions will be entering. Millions. <laughs> I've got really bad luck. You will win. 
So, uh, <laughs> so they have this uh, odd conversation uh, where they talk about uh, their respective bosses and say that they're going to get together and go to a campfire tonight. They're very wholesome young people. They're just going to go to a campfire and sit around with their friends Johnny and Kathy um, and have a good time together. Uh, and then Brad, he has a he gets a little tired and decides he's going to take a nap outside on a, on a, like a picnic bench. <laughs> on her on her lap. On her lap. While she's just going to sit there, he's going to have a little nap. And, he, and then he has a dream of the band playing live. About the band playing live. And then he wakes up. So he has this great dream about being in a death metal band. And, uh, in fact, hey, his friend Tony is there playing in the band. Uh, again, Todd Jason Cook, also a musician. He's a man of many talents. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's great because... And Johnny. Johnny's playing drums. Johnny's playing drums. And you got Shingard up there as the lead singer. <laughs> Shingard. <laughs> the lead singer of Living Corpse is Shingar, as we will be uh, finding out in a little while. But his, that's kind of a funny name. I don't know. Uh, and he's there uh, singing for the band. Um, and uh, it's... For a band that millions might enter their <coughs> contest, it's a very sparsely intended concert. Uh, not that... That's a bad thing. It looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> it's really, it's really an odd bit of footage when you when you when you look at it. You know, you've got like there's like a chick on stage with like a snake dancing around. <laughs> yeah, that's right. In fact, you know? I think there's a snake handler credit at the end of the movie. Yeah, and there's a uh, and there you know and then towards the end of the uh, of the dream clip, there's like a woman who has some very unfortunate underwear on. You know, I, do, do you remember what I'm talking about? Like she's wearing. Yeah, like, I do. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Oh, By the way, Christ. unfortunate underwear—that would be a great name for a band as well. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I mean, it'd be a great name for half of the credits in this movie. I mean, there's a there's a uh, there's a lot of un- unfortunate clothing, you know, choices in this. It's 1995. There is a yeah. scene later where Angel is wearing like a thong that is—it's like jean shorts thong. Oh, that's so weird. Like it's the only time I've ever seen a pair of shorts that covers up a navel but doesn't cover up ass cheeks yeah it was a is a i mean god bless her (laughs) (laughs) so uh (laughs) so brad wakes up from his dream and he had a great time dreaming that i'll tell you and i bet angel loved just having him lay there for however long (laughs) he was fucking out of it um and he mentions he tells her about the dream and how cool it was and he mentions that angel wasn't there for some reason tisk tisk and then of course she makes the brilliant comment I don't need to be in your dreams, Mr. Reality. <laughs> that angel is so great. Oh, she's such a loving companion. <laughs> I guess, okay, here's how this scenario would play out in my own life. Uh, I, I decide we're outside for whatever reason. Who likes being outside? Not me. Uh, and my wife and myself. And I decide to lay my head on her lap and say, I'm just going to take a little nap here, honey. Uh, I would wake up missing probably a few teeth. Uh, <laughs> Bleeding, of course. Of course. Uh, and the 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 uh, little nap session would last about seven seconds yeah. <laughs> before she pummeled me to death. Uh, so I don't. Uh, again, I love this angel. She really does live up to her <clears throat> name. <laughs> now, if this was my life, what would happen is I, I would wake up from a cop prodding me in the gut because you know I'd be alone. <laughs> I'd be like, get out of the park. 
But maybe this cop ends up being, re- uh, she's like really hot. Ooh. And then she's like, hey, hey, Mo, looking pretty good over there. And then other stuff happens with the baton, and mm. oh my God. Oh my. Um, I like your dream better than my own, actually. <laughs> Uh, so the kids, these great clean-cut kids, decide that they're going to go to a campfire that night. They want to have a little party. Uh, they have discussions. Now, I, don't, I couldn't really come up with how old these actors are or how old these characters are supposed to be. You never meet really anybody of probably over the age of, like, 25 in the entire movie. Certainly no adults. There's no parents or anything like that. Although, although they seem to make it, uh, they may, they seem to make it seem at least that they all still live with their parents. Exactly, because they yeah. mention in this scene that they can't have a party at uh, Brad's house because his, uh, even those uh, parents are out of town or something, and they call him a wuss. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but this is this is unfortunate, an unfortunate day for them to have a little campfire party. Well, because another gang comes in and. Uh, another gang led by Eddie, the greaser. <laughs> Eddie and Eddie and the cruisers come over, and uh, <laughs> Eddie and the cruisers too. Eddie lives comes over, and no, this bastard Eddie comes over, and, and apparently he has long-standing bad blood with our uh, Scooby gang, and he, and he makes some very clever comments, and I love everything he says. He does make some, he does make some great some great dialogue. They don't want any trouble. Well, what do we have here? The baby bunch? (laughs) (laughs) Good one, Eddie. Way to go, Eddie. We don't want any trouble tonight, Eddie. You think I give a fucking shit what you want? (laughs) We want the trouble. We want the trouble. That Eddie's a bad dude. That piece of shit. Chill! (laughs) (laughs) Chill! So they have this, like, ridiculous rumble where they all start to fight. And it's vicious in a way that probably is... They must live in a really boring town if people are... I mean, Eddie pulls out a knife and stabs Johnny in the shoulder. Yeah. He stabs him with a knife. Pretty hardcore. And uh, Kathy, at some point, she bites one of the girls she's fighting with. (laughs) (laughs) She's just got blood all over her. Johnny's response to getting stabbed in the shoulder is is to beat Eddie unconscious. (laughs) There's some great stunts in this, too. Someone jumps over a fire. I love that. Yeah. You know, because you think think everything's all done, and all of a sudden this dude comes running out of the woods and jumps over the fire. <laughs> Somehow, despite being outnumbered, our gang uh, ends up winning the fight yep. uh, and scaring off all of these guys. Uh, well, I love, actually, there's a great scene where they're scaring off the last of them. Like, they scare off these two dudes and they just kind of run off. And then there's like, and then uh, Tony's like, wait, wait, there's two more, you know? And they kind of cut over. There's these two chicks standing there and uh, and they get scared and run off. And one of them, in the process of turning around, like, trips <laughs> over the log. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my. Oh, oh, man. That was a good chuckle. <laughs> now, Kathy, uh, Johnny's girlfriend, is really upset about his wound, uh, as well she should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he says, he says I'm not worried about it. So I guess it's not a worry. I guess being stabbed in the fucking shoulder with a knife isn't that big of a deal. Um, <laughs> and uh, I guess it was more of a big deal than he thought, because I believe this is the last time we see Johnny in the entire film. <laughs> <laughs> no, you see, him, you see him one more time. Oh, do we? Well, yeah, we sort of do, don't we? You see him one more. Well, you see him one more time in his present state. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
And then, and then you see him one more time after that, not in his present state. <laughs> um, if you want a, a little preview of that, just look at the cover of the yeah, exactly. For that cover. <laughs> so it's the next day. Brad wakes up and <laughs> it's it's uh, late. And it's like, it's, oh man, he's <laughs> I missed the alarm. And it's like one thirty p.m. <laughs> um, and and he he's just in time to hear the announcement of the winner. In fact, Living Corpse are on the radio. <laughs> and here we go. Oh, no. That's it, missing the alarm. <laughs> yeah, oh, we're about no. to announce our lucky winner of the Living Corpse Contest. The band is here in our own studio, and lead singer Rob Mertz will personally announce the winner. He's digging for... Every time Rob Mertz talks, he says Rob? his name. <laughs> All right. Hey, Metalheads, this is Rob Mertz from Living Corpse. <laughs> We've got a winner. This guy's name starts with a B and ends with an S. Damn. <laughs> we have Brad Masters from Houston, Texas. What? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Brad, if you're listening, we're mailing your prize tomorrow. The new Living Corpse cassette with a new track that only you will own. That's right. You will be the only person to own this baby unless you make copies for your friends. <laughs> Best part. Who would do that? Would you? Brad. Hell no, man. He said, hell no, man. <laughs> he said, hell no, man. <laughs> uh, no wonder that they're his favorite band. <laughs> These guys are awesome. Yeah. Um, so Brad Masters, uh, <laughs> he wins. He won the contest, yeah. and he's very happy about it. And uh, he gets a call from Angel, who also was listening, as well as she should be. <laughs> uh, and this is where she's wearing her jean shorts thong yeah. thing. Um, and and uh, Brad is just overwhelmed with pleasure and decides to relax on his waterbed because this whole scene has got to be the most 90s thing. <laughs> <laughs> All he really needed to do was turn on his Super Nintendo and, like, you know, throw on some Zubaz pants and be, be ready, you know. Oh, man, then it would be crossing over into Redneck County fever That's territory. True. That's true. Uh, so, uh, we, we... I like how there's a huge jump here. Like, Yeah, there's know. like a jump. It must be, I guess, a week or however long However long it is, because the next time we see, next time we see Brat, he's getting, his tape is there. Well, hey, this movie's not wasting time. It's letting us get right to it. By the way, we haven't mentioned it. This movie, it runs about, what, like 80 minutes? It's an actual movie. It's an actual movie. There's some padding. There's also, in this uh, particular version, I believe, that we both watched, it has a little extra uh, filmed scene that was filmed later uh, after the actual movie was in 1995. So so it's, it's like a little bonus to stretch the movie out a little bit. Oh. Yeah. Oh, is what, that, the, is that the, 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 the last thing on the movie? You know what I'm about? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. uh, Brad has some weird things on as well. Did you notice in the background, he has both a poster, a big poster that says peace on it, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, but he also has a poster of a unicorn. <laughs> he does. He just has a big picture of a unicorn framed on his wall. The, the only time I ever noticed anything on somebody's, like actually something on somebody's wall, was the hand-drawn picture of Ace Fraley in Johnny's room. <laughs> Johnny has tons of pictures of Kiss. John, his Johnny's wall. room is just—I mean, it's literally floor-to-ceiling posters of bands, and there's yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of Kiss stuff in his room, and uh, but that that hand-drawn Ace Fraley was just fucking killer. Uh, this uh, this scene is weird between Brad and Angel talking about how I mean she's very adamant. It's like when you get that tape, I want to be there so we can all listen to the song together. Don't listen to it without me. Yeah. The, and he goes, Yeah, of course. I'm never gonna <clears> listen to that. <throat> the next scene is him listening to the album with with uh, Kathy and uh, 
Tony, is that right? Yeah, Kathy uh, and Tony. Kathy and Tony, and not Angel. <laughs> she had to work that day, so he didn't wait for her at all. Um, yeah, I have I have the entire conversation they uh, they have. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty great. Most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Man, this ain't Ross. It's Rickman. It rules. Yeah. Hello there. I'm Rob Mertz. Rob Mertz ain't the same again. Special song called Zombified. Enjoy. 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 This is, this scene is great, by the way, because they're just sitting. They're all standing in this garage and just headbanging, just over and over again, and like throwing themselves at each other. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite part is when they're is when they're like head headbanging in time with each other, and like you know, like one of them headbangs and the other one headbangs and the last one, like almost like they're like uh, like on like a railroad system, like hammering <laughs> in a nail. You know, they're they're very upbeat about this whole death metal thing, and I can't help but get kind of sucked up into the enthusiasm. They are uh, very happy about it. Well, they're not happy for Longmo because uh, no. when they play this song Zombified, something funny happens. Yeah, they start smoking backwards. They start to smoke backwards. Smoke starts to pour into their mouths. Yep. And then um, blood starts to pour into their mouths. Black blood. Ooh. It's kind of black blood of the earth type stuff coming out of their mouths. Um, and uh, they are rapidly becoming zombified, just like the song title. Wow. And in fact, uh, Shingard shows up uh, again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> the lead singer of uh, of uh, Living Corpse. This Brad Mertz here telling you to go out and kill. <laughs> well, like I was waiting guy. for him to say that. Yeah, this is Brad Mertz. <laughs> or uh, Rob Mertz. Rob Mertz. Yeah, the three the three members of the band just show up out of nowhere in this garage, and and they say things like "Welcome to death, rise, servants," <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, and then he's like. Go out and kill for us. <laughs> they say a bunch of shit about how, for some reason, this band, Living Corpse, wants their fans. Which, by the way, here's something that's a little confusing to me. They they uh, made it so this one fan got uh, got this song and yeah. uh, and wasn't allowed to make copies of it. But they want him to go out and create zombies for them for their band. He wants to. They want him to go out and kill. Yeah. Um, but why didn't they just, I don't know, play their song on the radio or or send out thousands of copies? Uh, or, I mean, I just don't get it. Well, they could have had a big look, army look, of zombies. Look, look, this is 90s, you know, this is 90s logic, okay? And it's also heavy metal logic. So neither of those things makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I get it. Uh, so they're, they're zombies now. They're going to go out and kill. The people they kill will get up and kill. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. Uh, they're not necessarily Romero zombies. They apparently can get stabbed to death, or some of them just disappear. <laughs> it's it's really weird how that whole thing works, because it's like Brad gets killed like three times. He gets killed and then brought back as a zombie, even though he was already a zombie when he got killed. Yeah, well, he gets he gets killed, then he, brings, then, he, then he becomes a zombie, then he gets killed again and brought back, and then he gets stabbed to death and brought back. Yeah, hmm. It's like it's like they didn't really have a set of rules. <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with that. I'm fine. Doesn't with Doesn't matter to me. I'm Doesn't fine with bother me at all. Um, so this next scene is where things start to get a little confusing. At this point, you may have forgotten about the Richard Nixon killer. I certainly did. 
<laughs> Good for you, Mo. Good memory there, Mo. Uh, uh, so um, Eddie, the dick face from earlier, is uh, sitting by a fire again. Oh, that is Eddie? Yeah, That's Eddie. I believe it's Eddie because otherwise there's no repercussion for Eddie, and uh, I'm yeah, pretty sure that this is Eddie. If I'm wrong, too bad. Yeah. Make sure you strike me down. <laughs> so he's sitting there, and a guy in a Richard Nixon mask shows up. What does he yeah. do, Mo? Uh, well, he attacks him. Well, he flashes him a peace sign. Yeah, and then he turns, like it, into, oh. and he turns it into a, a, a middle fingers. Oh, sorry, I'm going to go my Nixon. Oh, I'm going to cook my... We're alive, Monty. Or if you, want, or if you want to go the uh, the more Futurama version, you go... So he flips off Eddie, who makes him very upset, and they have a little pushing contest. Uh, All set to the tune of a very odd metal song. There's a few odd metal songs. Yeah, but in, in this but movie. this one, I mean, like like there's one at the end of the movie that's really I know that weird. you're talking about that. It's got kind of this weird beginning to it. Yeah. It doesn't really sound like a metal song. Really not. I mean, this doesn't sound like a metal song at all. No. I mean, it sounds exactly like a metal song once it actually starts, but this is like... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's relaxing me. I enjoy it. <laughs> okay, this is good. It's a little off-putting because I'm expecting metal, but, you know... Not what you expect on the soundtrack of Death Metal Bunny. <laughs> okay, now what the fuck is happening? <laughs> uh, so Nixon uh, pushes Eddie, theoretically Eddie, onto a piece of rebar which is sticking out of the ground. Yeah, and it's like, what the fuck? You know, it's like, uh, like I don't get it. Like, all of a sudden the rebar becomes, like, hollow and is, like, spitting blood out of it. Right? Yeah, yeah, it looks a little different once it's actually jabbed through him. <laughs> hey, leave him alone. It's an impaling. We're okay with impaling. I'm, I'm fine with an impaling. Guess what wouldn't have been okay? If suddenly this Richard Nixon started to pop out his eyeballs and then pretend he was removing them from his eyes <laughs> and then putting them back into his face again? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is an actual effect. Even uh, if you have problems with it. No, true, it's, true. It's totally legit. It's completely. <laughs> so, uh, now is an, a particularly weird scene. You see, these characters are supposed to be going out and killing people. So, we're introduced to some kind of extraneous characters who we haven't met before, who they are uh, assaulting in some way. So, now we get uh, a group of black guys and, and a woman. Um, <laughs> the thing I love about the black guys, let's, let's not say anything about the black guys quite yet. I want to I play the clip of them okay. talking. Please uh, do. Like... When the when the second black guy starts talking, it's the greatest voice ever. Yo, man, why you gotta keep talking about her? She's history. She's out of your life. I just can't get her out of my mind. She left me. You just don't need somebody after five years like that. There's another man. I know there is. Relax, man. There'll be somebody else. Somebody better. <laughs> Uh, I can't believe she left me. <laughs> now, this character, and we didn't want to make it seem like we just call them black guy number one and black guy number two. Uh, this muscular black man is Derek, and uh, the woman who have, we haven't heard yet, that's Rhonda. And the other guy is unnamed black guy. And I apologize <laughs> that we have to describe him like this. We're just trying to give you an idea of the visual. By the way, Derek is dressed. I, it's really difficult to describe how oh, he's dressed. so ridiculous. Like He's like wearing like a beret. And a muscle tee. And like a like, muscle tee. And he's gigantic. He's massive. He looks yeah. like uh, Ron Simmons, the pro wrestler. Um. <laughs> like they actually, they actually make a, uh, they actually make a, a, a joke about it. It's like, you know, he's gonna have to get that off of his chest. That could take all week. <laughs> 
Uh, and this, it seems like these characters, uh, because they start talking about like that one of them is named Derek and the woman's named Rhonda, uh, that it's going to lead somewhere. But no, the no. only point of this is that uh, the unnamed uh, character goes into his car to turn on some music. And Brad... Turn up the music. We want a party. We want a party. Brad is sitting in the passenger seat or laying across it, and he has a knife in his hand, and he's holding it on the seat, the, holding it on the, the, the driver's seat upwards, so the guy, as he gets into the car, sits on it. <laughs> he's but, a zombie. <laughs> butt, knife, butt knife humor. <laughs> so the guy gets up, of course, as you would, and he's bleeding from the ass. I love, um, I love him bleeding from the ass. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> well, even more ridiculous than him bleeding from the ass, which is ridiculous, yeah. are the reaction of Derek and Rhonda to it. <laughs> Derek is, is looking on in horror, but also very visibly stifling laughter. Oh, yeah, he's giggling the whole time. It's great. <laughs> You know, and then of course neither one of them do anything to stop Brad from coming around the car now and then punching a hole through him. He punches a hole straight through him, which is great. It looks awesome in the movie. Yeah, and there's like little uh, like tubes in there and shit. Yeah, like, it looks like, like blood vessels and shit. It's great. Here's the thing: if you have the, uh, I guess, the supernatural ability to punch a hole through a person, <laughs> why do you need to stab them in the ass? <laughs> the starting with this kind of wah wah trick where you're like, ha ha, here he comes, sit on the knife. Uh, it, it's a it, it doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. Actually, actually when you think about their personalities when they weren't zombies, it actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, Touche. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, I believe at this point uh, we are introduced. Uh, we're, Angel returns to the film. We might have wondered where she's been for a while. And we're introduced to the character of Tommy. Uh, Tommy wears glasses. And Tommy looks like the lead singer of uh, 90s Canadian band, The Pursuit of Happiness. <laughs> <laughs> Some people will get that, I swear. I got uh, it. <laughs> and, and he uh, tried to, try, he goes to the garage and steals the tape. He steals Zombified. What a piece of shit. And Angel sees him as he leaves, and she knows exactly what's going on. She's like, he stole the tape. She's like, by Shingar, I will get him. Yes, by, yes. That's not what she says. No. <laughs> Um, so he stole stole the tape, which is going to become important in just a little bit. Um, and uh, obviously, she's very curious about where all of her friends have vanished into. <laughs> yeah, everybody's gone. She's like, she's like, where? Am I? Look, I, she's like, I put on my best shorts. I'm coming down to party, and nobody's there. Um, the, the the way this next scene progresses, where it's going to be the next day, and I think it's the next day, and uh, Johnny is asleep in his uh, bed. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be Johnny, but I didn't really get the indication of that's who it was at the time. I did, because he had a drum set in his room. Right, right. And that, but that was it. <laughs> that is a dead giveaway, because he was a drummer. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's the, only, he's the only one who had who had a drum set, you know, so I mean... But you'll notice that in this scene, the, the sheet uh, on his bed is pulled over his head, Yeah. Uh, and you never actually get to see him. Could be anybody. Could be anybody. Makes me think maybe Johnny, the actor Johnny, uh, Milton Rush, wasn't available uh, for some reason. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because suddenly a uh, living corpse appears in his bedroom. Dun, dun, dun. I don't understand. So living corpse has this ability to appear in people's bedrooms <clears> and with them a bunch of zombies. Um, and they don't really use this power very effectively considering they're just getting the zombies to go out and do... Why don't they just send a few zombies over? Yeah. I, know. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I'm looking for answers, Mo, and you're supposed I, to provide I, them. I got none. 
this, this movie makes no sense to me. So, <laughs> so anyway, the guy said, let the feast begin, and, and the zombies are in the room. And that's uh, really the last we see of Johnny in his uh, current form. Correct. Um, and then we get a... Then we get an, another odd scene. This is Kathy's big scene where uh, she encounters a female jogger. <laughs> oh, man. What? What? what are you no, I'm just, thinking, I'm just thinking about the female jogger. Yeah. And, and how she really could have used a more supportive bra. Look... It's 1994 when they're filming this. <laughs> Supportive bras didn't exist. The technology was still being developed. That's well. true. That's true. Yeah, NASA hadn't quite got to that yet. So Kathy comes out, stabs this woman in the stomach. She falls on the ground. She stabs her a bunch more times, and then she starts eating her guts. I liked. I actually liked the the effect of her stabbing her, like when she was on the ground stabbing her. Yeah, like, it looked and she was like little bits of blood would, would squirt up. Yeah, she would pull up, and it'd be like a squirt of blood, and she'd stab down, pull up, and there'd be another squirt of blood. I mean, we know from the summer of the massacre, uh, not to be confused with the summer of massacre, mm-hmm. uh, that if you. You can that can look really terrible. Remember that part where sure. Hammerhead in that movie when he's supposed to be hitting them with the hammer again and again, and you can tell that he's not. He's, there's no there's no resistance as it's going down. No, but, I don't remember anything about that movie. I, I don't. I'm confused <laughs> about what I just said. What? <laughs> Summer of the what? <laughs> no, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, because he's clearly using a real hammer, and you obviously can't really hammer somebody's head. Right. Well, uh, not not in this country. Well, um, <laughs> not in that country. <laughs> in the UK. Um, so, but yeah, in this case, the stabbing looked fine. The guts looked fine. They yeah. didn't linger on it in a Nightmare Asylum-style way. Yeah. She just ate the guts. Kathy, who was really a team player in this movie, considering all she got to do was uh, show her nipple rings, uh, headbang, and eat guts, uh, she did pretty well. That sounds like a fun a fun movie shoot to me. I mean, that sounds... Hey, some people can't pull it off. She pulled it off. Good yeah. for you. Good for you, C. Joe Vela, who is apparently the actress who plays Kathy. <laughs> okay, we're going to bump into high gear now. Word. So, so Angel uh, actually finds Tony. Um, Tony being uh, the goofy um, character played by the director. And she pulls up to, next to him in her car and pulls down the window, and, and he is obviously possessed by something. He says, Shingar wants to play with you. Um, <laughs> we need more followers. <laughs> we need more followers. <laughs> uh, and she's freaked out and drives away. Uh, so she ends up... Uh, this is a really weird scene. This, this over- scene confused the hell out of me, because I was trying to figure out what they were trying to do. Right. You know, like she, she winds up at Johnny's house. For some reason. For some reason. I don't reason. know why. You know, I don't know how... She, I mean, she doesn't live there. It's not her house. It's Johnny's for, house. But For a moment, I thought that maybe they were, like, brother and sister or something like that, or I don't know why she went over to his house. See, really what I was thinking was that, originally, was that they were just really, you know, they, like, they couldn't find another set, and they were just trying to reuse the same, you know, the same room, so to speak. Fair enough. But, um, you know, which would have been fun. I wouldn't have cared. But, uh, but yeah, so, but, but we do we do find out that it is Johnny's house, so why she's there, who knows. And uh, she ends up uh, trying to make a phone call, and she like, calls Brad. And I love when they have these like one-sided conversations. She's just like, "Brad, what? You're you're talking like Tony. What? What? what what's going on? You know?" It's then, very. It's very strange because this is this is the case in any movie where you would show both parts of this conversation, or at least or at least let us hear the other side. Yeah. But it's it's entirely one-sided. But the important things that are being said are really on the other side of the conversation because then you know it's the confirmation that brad is is possessed and that she knows it yeah but anyway the reason that she's in that room is the next part of the scene where she notices that there's blood coming through the sheets on johnny's bed mm-hmm. and pulls it back to reveal johnny's a skeleton 
Wow, that, I was hoping for a kind of a bigger reveal than that, Mo. Let's give that another shot. She pulls it back to reveal. Johnny's dead! Oh, he's a big bloody corpse. <laughs> he is a big bloody corpse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's funny because she was just talking to Brad on the phone, but suddenly he appears in the bedroom. He's right behind her. He's right there behind her. And he gives what might be my favorite line reading in the entire movie. Oh, this one? Yeah. No, Angel. I have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> So I love I love I love Zombie Brad. <laughs> zombie Brad is pretty great. Zombie Brad is almost as good as Human Brad. Might even be um, better than Human Brad. So this is the scene, by the way. Uh, she gets encounters both Brad and uh, and Tony in her kitchen, uh, and it's, she's suddenly being attacked by both of them. She realizes, I guess, that they're zombified in some way, uh, and she discovers their secret weakness. Well, she does, something, she does something that's really confusing, because it, yes. I mean, it really makes no sense. Like, why would no. you think to do this? Because like, like, she's being attacked. So the thing is, you think that she'll try to defend herself in some way. Yeah. But what she does is she reaches over and presses play on a tape player. Yeah, she, like, turns on a radio, and it's playing country music. Not really, though. Well, I mean, it's supposed to be playing country. It's supposed to be country music, but it's not identifiably enough country music, so it is a little confusing as well. Yeah. Well, they probably couldn't get their hands on on any actual country music since all the music was provided by Relapse. So, sure, right. not exactly known for their large repertoire of country. <laughs> but but the idea that's supposed to come across that 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 is explained a little bit later is that uh, these zombies you can stop them, you can make them collapse on the ground and kill them, I guess, uh, by playing country music. Which makes sense. It's great. I love it. I think that's that's amazing. I think that really plays into the kind of tone they were going for. I yeah, think it's, it's hilarious. very hilarious. Very clever. Um, I wish it was like... It, that's the thing about a really super ultra-low-budget movie like this, is that that moment would have been hilarious if it was like this, like, even like old-school, like, like uh, Conway Twitty song or started to play or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and they just immediately fell and died on the ground. <laughs> But this is what you were referring to earlier about the fact that the zombies in this movie, they don't play fair because uh, Shingar, I believe, shows up again. Yeah. Um, and he brings them back to life. Uh, in that they, he brings them back to death. He brings them back to their zombie form. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Such a ridiculous movie. <laughs> Brad, before he's brought back to death, uh, he tells her what the secret to ending this entire... Tire zombie plague is. I don't know how he knows this. Well, he, he probably knows because he was on the other side. This is the major conceit of the film, and I think it's actually kind of brilliant. The idea is she has to play the tape backwards. Backwards. Makes sense. And that will stop the zombie invasion. And that is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, you have to think mid-90s and all the backward masking stuff was still kind of big, even at that time. Sure, sure. Um, so, and, and all that the controversy... So the idea that these kind of fun-loving death metal heads, uh, <laughs> she's going to stop this invasion by playing the tape backwards. And I also love how difficult this ends up being. Because it is difficult, right? If you have an audio tape, I, it, there's not a lot of players that's just going to play it backwards. No. See, see, here's the thing. It's like I grew up with a tape deck that could play in reverse. So right. for me, it seemed like this was kind of stupid. Like, why couldn't they just hit the button? But, but of course, you know, you realize that not every player had that. Right. But, um, but, but, I mean, I could have. I mean, they should have come to my house. I could have fixed them up. There's a... <laughs> we see um, Tommy uh, come well, home and I hope, we're not, I hope we're not skipping over a great line. 
um, oh no, yeah, we are. <laughs> no, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta talk. So, so, uh, so obviously, you know, Shingar comes to visit, uh, you know, Angel, and he brings the other two back to life. But before he does, uh, Angel has this great line where she says. Stay the hell away, pal. I'll play country music to your ears, please. <laughs> that really sells the moment, by the way, because now we know exactly what was going on previously. So we know it. country music, bad, which we all know anyway. Anyone yep. who's listening probably knows that country music is bad. Uh, not Conway Twitty stuff. We're talking, of course, of new country. Modern um, country. Modern country shit music. Um, but uh, but that's and she delivers that line really well too. Uh, unlike a later badass line that she delivers, which is hilarious, but not quite as well. <laughs> you'll, you'll know what we're talking about momentarily. Yeah. So Tommy arrives at his house with the tape, and um, uh, this this guy's house is, by the way, is very uh, mid nineties as well. There's for some reason a framed picture of Felix and Butthead. <laughs> Makes total sense. <laughs> Uh, and she, he puts on the tape. I guess he's making a copy of it or something. Yeah, like he's that. making a copy for himself. Yeah, he's got a lot of, like, sound gear. So the idea we're getting across here is that he's sort of a sound guy. He knows how sound works. Nerd. Nerd. He does look kind of like a nerd, too. He is a nerdy guy. Looks like uh, Mike, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Boy, uh, why did I even bring it up if I didn't know? Uh, from uh, R.E.M. Uh, the uh, Michael Stipe? No. The, oh, the bassist. Yes. Yeah, I don't know his name. All right, let's cut this whole segment out. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to another scene now. And uh, another new character. Uh, yeah, a, keeping uh, in mind, I mean, we're kind of close to the end of the movie, and, we're like, and they're introducing new characters now. We know what's going on here. This yeah. movie's running a little short. We need to get another kill in, and we need to make sure that it doesn't have really any effect on the rest of the movie. Yeah. They do that effectively by introducing a character who is a thief. She's a female thief. She's got a bag full of purses and uh, wallets and uh, assorted things. Yeah. That she has spent the day stealing, and she comes into what looks to be a very nice house. So I guess uh, the stealing business is very good. She probably lives with her mom. Maybe. They all, all do. <laughs> They're like the youth in Gorno in this movie. Uh, they've gone wrong. <laughs> One could also say they've gone wild. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so this woman who's unnamed, uh, she th- thinks she hears something at the door, and she reveals that she has a giant machete. Huge. <laughs> this huge machete next to her uh, couch. Thinks uh, twice the size of mine. Can't imagine that'll come into play. No. Um, <clears throat> so she puts on some death metal music, because she's a metalhead, too. And she Not starts all- air guitaring. Yeah, she doesn't really get the whole... She headbangs appropriately, but also uh, air guitars at the same time. You can't double up on that kind of thing. No. Um, And it doesn't look right. (laughs) It looks really weird. But, you know, she's a metalhead. She's getting into it. Uh, But Tony arrives as a zombie. Tony as the zombie in this scene... Maybe awesome. one of yeah, zombie Tony. Maybe my one of my favorite moments in the film right here, where like she she has to go pee, so she runs upstairs, and he and, to, and Tony tries to get into the house, so he starts playing with the with the door. He's like, oh, you can't do it. So he just like stares at the lock and then <laughs> headbangs the lock open. <laughs> he uses his headbanging psychic ability yeah, to open it. Like, but what's even better is that he comes into the house. And he hears the music, and he's, even though he's a zombie, he starts headbanging to it. Well, he is a, I mean, he is a death metal zombie. I mean, he is. And I mean, he, you know, this is what Shingar would have wanted. Shingar would be pleased. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, what all these pieces that we've just laid out for you, I'm sure you're already putting them together in your mind. Yes, Tony does get the machete. Yes, he does machete her in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this whole segment, it's fine. It's funny. It's it. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> it's quick. It's time filler. <laughs> he, he really does machete her in the mouth. Yes, he does. So, um, back to Angel, who is now, for some reason, surrounded by zombies. She's really gotten to the middle. She was running through the woods. Probably not a good idea. No. No, not at all. <laughs> I, you know, one thing I, I noticed throughout this movie is... Um, and you notice this sometimes in some of Tachi's movies, but there's there's actual attention uh, to the lighting, and um, uh, there's like colored filters going on in the background. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I know it's just a small thing, but there's obvious real attention paid to some of the visuals here. I mean, yeah. the production values in this are head and shoulders above something like uh, like Sorority Babes and uh, The Dance of Fun of Death. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, the sound is very adequately recorded. You can understand generally what everyone is saying. There's yeah. one. I think there's one overdubbed line that Angel has early in the movie that's really hilarious. But for the most part, it's it's you know it's perfectly reasonable. It looks good for for the time period. Sure. We're still talking early in in terms of uh, these sort of low budget productions, and this is shot on VHS. So uh, yeah. So it looks a lot better than other films, you know. It looks great. No, I mean, it looks fine. It, 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 it actually looks pretty good for shot on VHS. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, so, Angel, running away from the zombies, she ends up um, almost getting hurt a few times. You know, she's not going to get killed yet, but she runs into Tommy. Quite literally. She backs into Tommy. They back yeah. into each other. Tommy, a little skeptical about the idea that, uh, that zombies have uh, returned and are uh, death metal zombies and that they're trying to kill people. Um but he is soon turned, not turned into a zombie, but he's soon uh, uh, convinced that this he is He becomes a happened. true believer. Yeah, and she... Uh, Excelsior! She gives him shit about stealing the tape. Probably not the best time to be doing something like that, but <laughs> it ends up working out for her because she really needs that tape. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I think it's zombie Brad says something like, We must find them. We must kill them. They have the tape. <laughs> oh, zombie Brad. I love, love zombie guy. Brad. Um, so they go back to, to Tommy's place, and this is where this is where the last showdown is going to be. It's really where the whole Night of the Living Dead aspect should come in, where like mm. the zombies are surrounding it, and they give that idea. Uh, they kind of get it across, but they make no efforts to board up the windows or anything like that. <laughs> I'm sure this is a very nice house owned by one of them. <laughs> well, you know, like not only do they make no attempt to board up any windows, they don't. They seem to not make much of an attempt to close any of the doors. Like the one of the doors is just covered by like a uh, like a blanket or something that they just walk past. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then it's like, uh, yeah, it's, 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 like, it's like they come through the back, like there's no door on the back. The front door is open. You know, it's like who, I mean, like what kind of like small town suburbia do you live in that you're not afraid to, uh, you know, to just leave your doors open? This is the south too. I mean, I just can't even imagine. Tell um, so this, there's lots of great things about what, what's about to happen in this movie. <laughs> For, the first thing is that he can't play the tape backwards. He doesn't have the ability to do that. He doesn't have a tape player that will allow him to do that. Yeah. But he, he comes up with what I think is a pretty great idea, which is that he's going to dub the tape onto a reel-to-reel machine and then, and then play, play that backwards. Yeah, and then, tur- then switch the reels and, and play it the, the wrong way. 
Exactly. Kind of makes uh, sense. It sort of makes sense. Uh, another kind of uh, neat thing, I mean, it, it also makes sense because it gives us now a time period and kind of a countdown because we learned that the, the song is 13, 13 minutes, minutes long. Which is, which is perfectly, like, believable that it might be, right? Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. It doesn't take, it didn't take 13 minutes of the song to turn them into zombies. <laughs> no, it didn't. It took, like, you think it just... He just dubbed like the first, right. You think he just dubbed the first ten seconds, but he doesn't want to take any chances. I can't blame him. Yeah. So this, so the second thing I really like is that he decides that since they have time before this thing is going to be finished dubbing, um, I like also that he says that the, he doesn't have a high-speed dubbing on his tape player, which yeah, I'll be honest, in my brain it was like, oh, yeah, he, he should have been trying that. Um, <laughs> he decides to get a collection of weapons together, and he opens up a drawer, and the weapons he pulls out are very kind of believable weapons that someone would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a screwdriver. There's a screwdriver. There's like a box cutter. Like a steak knife. <laughs> hey, that that I can believe in, right? It's I like, totally get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of like that. Um, and <laughs> so, Angel now has her basically her peak moment of the entire film. Yeah, this is this is this is the dramatic line she flubs. She she flubs it, and it's weird because it also is very bizarre tonally because she goes from being very frightened like like seconds before yeah, yeah, yeah. about it, but when he says that the song is 13 minutes long, she says this. Then we have time and zombies to kill. <laughs> they have time and, and zombies, zombies to, kill. to kill. Apparently, all that fair before it doesn't matter because she has what I don't remember what she took in her hand, like a screwdriver. She has the knife. <laughs> no, she has a knife. Yeah, um, not the best weapon to use. Again, no, he zombies. takes the box cutter, which is an even stupider weapon. Yeah, that, that's that is a close quarters weapon. <laughs> <laughs> and the zombies at this point are easily getting into the house. They're just opening up the door and coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is a great scene where they try to escape out the like they try to escape out the back, and there's zombies already coming in. So like fuck it, let's go out the front. They get they go up to the front. There's already a zombie, a, a zombie. Listen, to me. zombie. Uh, <laughs> there's already a zombie uh, coming in, and uh, and so they kind of like slam the door on it and uh, chop its hand off, which was kind yeah. of a neat effect. I mean, if, right. if not that great, but uh, not as great as the Jehovah's Witness getting his head cut off and <laughs> hello, Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> oh, memories. Uh. Oh, the interesting God. thing about their collection of weapons is that they choose not to use them. <laughs> instead, instead, they start to punch the zombies in the face almost immediately. Yeah. Well, I mean, he does. He They're does. inside. There's a, he does. That's true. Yeah, she keeps she keeps using her knife because she's the only one who actually has a weapon that seems effective. Uh, then he decides just to keep punching them. Yeah, and one of these zombies have like a weird Jerry curl wig on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And and this this zombie attacks Angel and then Tommy just like punches her in the face just repeatedly. <laughs> Man, yeah, uh, and she, and, but but she like she bites Angel. Yeah, you know, and it's like nothing happens of it. Nope, I guess so weird. They, they, yeah. They're not playing by standard zombie rules. They really aren't. No, but I mean they have kind of uh, these are death metal zombies. True. Mo mo. These are death metal zombies. True, true. <laughs> they don't they don't play by society's rules. Uh, okay, explain something to me, Mo. Oh God, they're in this room. Yes, and they're looking for a radio. Yeah. Why are they looking for a radio? I don't know. Okay, doesn't make any sense. The their real to real machine does not require a radio. It yeah. looks like what they're trying to do for some reason is to record that reel to reel as it's playing because when they start playing it, which is gonna happen in a moment, they also hit a button on this radio. But I don't know why they needed a radio. 
Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, but it provides a little bit of dramatic tension late in the game. It gives, and, and, you know, bumps on another, like, 20 seconds to the running time. So so, so things are about to come to a head. We're we at the some, end we, here. Yeah, we're at the end here. There's zombies outside. They're surrounding the place, including uh, one of the zombies that I, um, I I couldn't help but refer to as the titty zombie. <laughs> she, that's what she was. She was like the, she was the grunge titty zombie. I mean, there was a grunge titty zombie outside who was showing her uh, titties, her breasts, uh, and uh, I, I mean, good on Todd for getting someone to uh, to uh, reveal themselves. Sure. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, but no, really, it was uh, um, an interesting. It's great because that is sort of a throwback to even the original Night of the Living Dead, which had uh, some some brief nudity in it uh, in a similar vein. Mm. Um, oh, and Brad arrives, Zombie Brad, my favorite. And he well, zombie, yeah, zombie Brad. Well, Zombie Brad was at the house, like he was in the house. Yes, he was, and he got stabbed. Mm-hmm. To death, presumably. Presumably. And then, all of sudden, and then all of a sudden, yeah, then all of a sudden he's outside, you know, and he's got <laughs> gasoline, which I thought he's was He's got awesome. a, tank, a tank of gasoline. Tank he's going to burn these motherfuckers down. He's like, he's like, if I can't have you, nobody can. <laughs> so uh-huh. they're going to burn down the place. And that, that uh, provides another uh, element of, of, uh, of, of pacing to the some to the, tension. Uh, yeah there's some tension here uh so they need to start playing that tape and they do they play the, the, the recording ends they play the reel to reel uh just as about they're about to burn down the place and he hits the button on the radio for some reason and the zombies all fall down mm-hmm. yeah and then shingar shows up this, this yeah. is this is a great little effect too where like he chops up uh yeah. Yeah, he like pot, like he like he like shows up and then like he starts you know, like he catches on fire, and then uh, and then all of a sudden he becomes like this melty skeleton. <laughs> it's great. It's just, like he, the, there isn't really an in between stage. He's no. a, he's coughing up white stuff and now he's a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and they so, do a great thing with a shake in the skeleton. My note on it says shaky bones. <laughs> And when they, uh, when they, you know, when they, uh, and like when they when they throw the skeleton down, like when it's finally done, like you can see like the hand, you know, uh, it's so great, it's so great. But everyone's all right. Everybody's but, back to normal. Everyone's back to normal. Brad gets up. He he hasn't been stabbed. He hasn't. Um, there has been no ill effects of the zombification. Everyone is fine. Or the country man. music. I do think it's kind of funny that Kathy, who is also fine, she gets up and she asks, "Where's Johnny?" And uh, even though Angel should know that Johnny isn't coming back, uh, he, all they say is, "Just be glad we're all alive." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Instead of yeah, you know, your man's dead. This you movie know. should have been called "Fuck Johnny." <laughs> Kill. Now, if you watch this film in 1995, uh, then probably the movie would end right here. Well, silence. <laughs> well, it's 2011. Uh, it, it jumps ahead now. No, it's 2012. Jesus Christ. Hey, Mo, what is wrong, man? You know, I actually, like, that's why I stopped to try to remember what year it was. And I got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> did you stop? And I don't know. I don't know. Um, this movie now, uh, uh, a little title card comes up on the screen saying 10 years later, 10 which, years by the way, later. 10 years from 1995 is 2005. Um, Mo? <laughs> no, so, yeah. 
so I, I'm not sure what you were referring to just then. You said if you watched it in 1995, and I said, no, well, it's 2011. Oh. Uh, of course, I was wrong, but... You know. no, we, no, that's the thing, though. We're recording this podcast in 2011. <laughs> a lot of that stuff at the beginning, we're just guessing that shit's going to happen. <laughs> Gorno might be great. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the movie jumps ahead 10 years, and uh, we see someone, uh, and it's, it's just a lot of kind of quick editing where we see so, someone getting a tape, a tape of Zombified, and um, make an MP3 of it. I got such a kick out of watching the uh, watching the loading screen, like the upload screen for the MP3, because like they're like, oh, let's you know, let's post it to the web, published to web, yeah, published to the web, <laughs> and it's like an hour and thirty six minutes in, they're seventy five percent done, you know. He's on dial up. He's okay. Hey, he's on DSL. <laughs> it's even worse. <laughs> it's like it's like you're on a DSL, it's taking you an hour and thirty six minutes. Well, yeah, that's right, because he has to do the connect to internet thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but the idea that's getting across here is that someone made an MP3 and uploaded it to the internet, and then it's the big reveal at the end. It's Nixon! It was Nixon all along. It was me. I am a crook. I, I am. I'm going to warp your mind with my zombie music. Um <laughs> 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 uh, And then he flips off the camera and... Closing credits start. Um, you'll have to play the music. I can't remember how it went. I knew it had some samples from the from the movie. What the hell are you doing here? This is really bad. Like this is like a this is like like the Jesus lizard if it's if they suck. Yeah, it's weird because the, yeah, it doesn't end with a great sound. There's some, it, I have to mention at this point that the closing credits, which runs about two minutes, um, which run about two minutes, they have some very interesting song titles, uh, like uh, Echo Topian Visions, Devoured Death, Spawn of Absu. <laughs> Why can the bodies fly? <laughs> Oppression freedom. Of course, of course. Uh, anthropocentric uh, ecodial conundrum. What is it with metalheads and like these ridiculous like like scientific s- song titles? Uh, what I love more about death metal than anything else isn't the song titles isn't the lyrics isn't the cookie monster vocals Bro. it's the the fonts that they use for their uh, band names yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like what the fuck is that evkit 13 okay it works for me i don't know um this uh this movie uh if if indeed mode that you stayed till the end credits uh, I, I did i have to admit though that i didn't pay that much attention to them though mo moser i'm a bad man Moet. Um, there are some special thanks given. Well, I know they thank God. They do thank God. God gave them the ability to make death metal zombies, and good on him. Um, <laughs> way to go. Way to go. Invisible person in the sky. Sky cake. Uh, way to go, magic man. <laughs> uh, they also thank Linnea Quigley, Brink Stevens, Kane Hodder, Tom Savini, Lucio Fulci, and Dario Argento. Uh, again, a lot of the same influences that uh, you sometimes see pop up in Todd Sheets' films. <laughs> I know that's funny, but he does credit them. I know, I know he does. (laughs) (laughs) They also think the three bands, I guess, that most influenced Todd Jason Cook were Kiss, Yes, Faith No More, Yep, and Nirvana. 
Yeah, and the whole movie's dedicated to Kurt Cobain, right? The, the movie was dedicated to the memory of Kurt Cobain, remembering that they did, they, they made it in 1994. Um, so it, that, that, I wouldn't say it makes sense for a movie called Death Metal Zombies, but it makes no sense whatsoever. But. And those three bands are not Death Metal bands at all. Nope. Faith No More is the closest, and that's not close. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, so the movie's dedicated to the memory of Kurt Cobain, um, and that's it. That's the end of the movie. That's Death Metal Zombies. Yeah. Or, or is it the end? <laughs> the reason I say this, Mo, <laughs> is okay. because this year, as you said before, it is 2012. <laughs> well, actually, I said it was 2011, <laughs> but I was wrong. Um, Todd Jason Cook has just, I believe, finished making, or is in the process of making, his first movie since 1997. Wow. That movie is called Zombified. It stars most of the cast of Death Metal Zombies playing characters with the same name. Sweet. I hope Kathy gets her tits out again. Kathy, I don't believe, is making a return. Oh. Also, uh, Angel, though there is a character named Angel in this movie, she is not the same actress. No. Uh, and since that actress's last name was Cook, I'm guessing something occurred. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Brad's going to be returning. Uh, t- uh, Tommy is going to be returning. Uh, Tony, played by Todd Jason Cook, will be returning. Uh, it is about uh, a... It, the, 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 you can go and check out the... Um, the trailer for this on YouTube. It's actually a very interesting looking trailer. Looks like something I'm looking forward to watching already. Uh, and it's it's big kind of kick is that it's the first movie to mix a zombie movie with a slasher movie. Okay. I mean, I guess. That I, didn't I, didn't this do that though? I I would think so because it it does have a lot of slasher elements, especially at the beginning. Uh, but well, it hey, has, it has Nixon mask, who's essentially a slasher. Right. And it has um, zombies. Yeah, and it's got zombies. But I guess this movie's going to do it in an entirely different way. Oh. Hey, I'm interested in seeing it. I want to see too. what Todd Jason sure. Cook is doing. Uh, and um, and if he can bring it like he brought in this movie, which, by the way, I enjoyed. Yeah, it was great. I loved, I loved it. it. I, had, I just had a lot of fun uh, that I'm, I'm going to be uh, wait to see Zombified. Yeah, I'll watch it. Death Metal Zombies. You know, that title, I remember the first time I heard of Death Metal Zombies. It was a couple of years ago. And um, the, the, a title like this can go either way, right? It can go uh, sure. barely legal lesbian vampires way. Mm. Uh, or it can go like it did, where it, it really embraced its concept, um, which was kind of silly to begin with. But it embraced it, and it went full the whole way with it. And I, I have to say, I just I love the tone. I love the humor. I just think that the movie really works. Yeah. And it's entertaining in a way that certain other movies that will remain nameless that might have a director who hates us, they... (laughs) (laughs) Unlike that movie, this movie is good and entertaining. (laughs) Yeah. I was so glad we watched it. We've had a rough time lately with some of the movies we've been watching. Um, Yeah, it's been been a rough couple episodes. Yeah, so I I was really glad. This was really a a palate cleanser. It was fun. It was funny. It, it just really brought all those elements that 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 you'd want. I mean, I don't have to say at this point that, of course, <laughs> this is we're talking about no budget film, so yeah, you yeah. have to go into this expecting that there's going to be certain uh, aspects that are are not going to be uh, even sci-fi channel quality. But if you're on that wavelength, which you probably are, if you're listening to this, you're probably going to have a really good time with it. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I think this is I think this is a movie that even somebody who doesn't watch 
like these crazy low budget films regularly would still enjoy. Yeah, yeah, and there's a nostalgia aspect to it as well. I mean, sure, this movie is so mid '90s. It 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 hurts, right? You just want. Yeah. I think I made made the joke before about it looked like the. That one of the, the the lead singer of Ugly Kid Joe was about to pop out or something. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone is dressed just like you would expect people in the mid '90s to be dressed. Uh, I mean, the, the fact that there's Clinton jokes. I mean, it, it's it's really a product of its time. But uh, that's not a bad thing. No. I love you, Death Metal Zombies. You gave me faith in low budget filmmaking. Hey, I got grass. <laughs> <laughs> Bomo. <laughs> you may have noticed, by the way, that we've we've instituted a new method of putting in clips into the show where we were able to talk over them. Um, yeah. uh, let us know if that works or not for you. Um, and if it doesn't work for you, then go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself because it's faster and faster it's is faster better. and um, burnt out. <laughs> Mo, moving on from Death Metal Zombies, which I'm going to yeah. give our official thumbs up. On uh, no budget, absolutely. Members. Big thumbs up, big thumbs up to you, Todd Jason Cook. Um, Here's a good question. Mm. Since this, since, I mean, you know, I know we asked the question with Gorno, you know, where does it fall within the worst of the movies we've seen? Where do you think this falls within the best of the movies we've seen? Now that's tough. That that's a bit tougher, I think. Uh, I think so, because even the movies that we've really liked sometimes we're a little iffy on. Sure. Um, I'm trying. No, I think Las Vegas Bloodbath is still at the top of the list, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And um, <laughs> even with that card playing scene, <laughs> that just makes it, man. That's just that. It, that it kind of does. It kind of just makes it that much better. Um, I liked. Um, I know you're a little iffy on uh, some more to be, but I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I would put Death Metal Zombies in my own kind of catalog right around that same level as So More to Be. Mm. Uh, it might be a little little above it because I think that uh, even though I think the humor in So More to Be is a little bit better, I think that if I was to sit down and watch Death Metal Zombies, I could watch it from beginning to end and enjoy the, the cheesiness just as much as the uh, as the good bits while So More to Be has some, especially some of the bad effects are kind of uh, tough to sit through again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of the, some of the other actual decent movies that we've watched. <laughs> That's the hard part. Well, we've watched more bad than good. That's for sure. I mean, there's the always see, Kill Them and Eat Them, Redneck County Fever, Rock, Paper, Scissors. Hey, that's got to be up there. <laughs> Another movie. <laughs> Somewhere to be. Oh, Duck. Duck the Carbine High Massacre. That yeah, has, duck, is, duck is at the top. Yeah, I'd, I'd put Duck as number two. Without a doubt. Behind... Um, Behind Las Vegas Bloodbath, but I think I think this movie would hit fit a solid three on the No Budget Nightmares scale. I can't argue with that. We're in agreement all the time. We need to argue more about shit. Maybe <laughs> next time we'll next time we'll do a movie. Uh, it'll be some documentary about Kiss, and then we'll have an argument. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. No, no, I think we'd be in agreement on that one. <laughs> we'll, we'll watch that. We'll watch an episode of uh, Gene Simmons Family Jewels. <laughs> this is Gene Simmons. I put my name on everything. We could watch Wanted Dead or Alive uh, or uh, Runaway, and uh, then we both could enjoy ourselves. The Rudger Hauer Wanted Dead or Alive? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's not a bad choice. I love that movie. It's not really, I mean, it's not really... Not a no-budget nightmare. <laughs> no-budget nightmares, but... I watched it just a few weeks ago, uh, and uh, it... It, it really it, it really satisfies everybody because the end, spoiler, ends <laughs> with Gene Simmons' head getting blown off with a grenade. Oh, I mean, if we, if we, yeah, well, that is great. Um, I'm trying to think, what's that other ridiculous, is it, 
never too young to or not, never too young to die, where he where Gene Simmons plays a uh, maniacal hermaphrodite. I don't know. I guess both what we're both doing right now is searching the internet, <laughs> looking it up. Gene Simmons is in the movie Never Too Young to Die. Is that with John Stamos? Oh yeah, it's so George great. Lazenby. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. That's it. That's it. Because he's because he's because Gene Simmons plays Carruthers slash Velvet Von Ragnar, and Velvet Von Ragnar is his uh, um, drag name. Mo. Yes. <laughs> I forgot to tell you what my theory was in terms of who the Richard Nixon killer was in Death Oh, Island. okay. Um, in the credits, not in the credits of the movie, but on the credits on IMDb, it says that Bill DeWild played Brad and the Nixon killer. Okay. So I guess the idea is that all along, even at the beginning before all this stuff happened, theoretically it was Brad doing these murders. Even hmm. outside of his uh, beloved uh, living corpse, he is just maybe a bit of a psycho, which explains some of his speech patterns. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, this is Brad, now grown up, still kind of a psycho, who is uh, wearing the Nixon mask. Uh, just my theory. Uh, Todd Jason Cook, please feel free to email us and tell us that we're totally fucking wrong and that your yeah. movie Zombified will prove it. But, uh, but yeah, so it, at the very least, he played the Nixon killer. Hmm. Hmm. Mo, I've noticed uh, that you've been watching a lot of films lately. Yeah, I've been like a maniac. Like, I think I've watched. I think I've watched like twenty movies in the last like five days. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I I I'm at a stage in my life where I no longer can do things like that, so I have to live vicariously through <laughs> your movie watching. Why don't you just give us a little little quick rundown of some of the movies you've watched in the last couple of days? Well, here's what I've been doing for the most part is, uh, you know, I don't watch a lot of I don't I don't watch a lot of modern films. Mm-hmm. So what I what I tend to do is I tend to do one big catch up, you know. So that's kind of what I've been doing. So I've been watching a lot of, you know, modern stuff. Um, so let's see, what have I watched? I watched well today. I watched The Descendants. It wasn't bad. It's like it was okay. Matthew Lillard, I said, was good in it. He is pretty good in it, yeah. I think. I like yeah, he's not bad. His I mean, performances. Not in- it's not a really engaging. Like it's not a totally engaging movie, but it's it's well acted. Yeah, and I watched Source Code, which I thought was really good. I haven't seen that yet. Uh, it's good. Um, let's see. And I did watch some older stuff this weekend because I had uh, John Crossover. John Cross from the After Movie Diner podcast? Yes, John Cross from the After Movie Diner podcast. You know, that reminds me of the time when he was on the podcast about my film, Rock, Paper, Scissors, The Fall. <laughs> yeah, well, we didn't watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we watched Red State, and then we watched the uh, Kevin Smith Q&A, Burn in Hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I liked them both. They weren't bad. Uh, I have a burning rage against Kevin Smith that maybe I'll ease in my older years, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm from my love of his early movies, uh, I really have come down hard on him. Um, mm. I, I think I was just thinking a couple of days ago about how Ben Affleck has become such a quality filmmaker, and uh, even if you didn't if you didn't like The Town, uh, it's hard to deny that Gone Baby Gone is a great movie. Uh, I haven't seen either of those. Well, it, I think they're both excellent. And his new movie, uh, which the title is, is um, I, I can't remember at the moment. I think it looks terrific. And watching the trailer for his new movie just reminds Is that the one that he stole, like, half the cast from Red State for? Oh, uh, well, I think Michael Parks is in it. I don't think... I, and John Goodman is in it as well. So I guess there's the yeah, elements of that. Same one. But the cast yeah. looks amazing. Uh, I mean, it, it just from top to bottom. But that film, when you see the trailer, I'm like, my God, in just three films, he's... 
he's become like three times the director that Kevin Smith has ever been, you know, and, and <laughs> he's like he's a quality craftsman in terms of, of a director, and mm. Kevin Smith just hasn't, in my opinion, just my opinion now, not fact. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, he just he never evolved, and uh, when you don't evolve, you die. You die. And that's what he's doing, apparently. I guess. I mean, I haven't seen Red State yet, so I can't uh, form an opinion on it. Hmm. And then, uh, and I know because we always like to talk about uh, documentaries, I have watched some of those. Me too. Uh, I watched a documentary called Abel Raises Cain. Mm-hmm. Um, about, uh, what's the guy's name? Something Abel. <laughs> He's, he's like a professional prankster. He's, it, it, was int- it was interesting. Uh, and then I watched H.H. H. Holmes, America's First Serial Killer. Oh, yeah. Also... I saw that on Netflix. I, I saw that it was on Netflix. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, it's good. It's interesting. Um, I watched The People vs. George Lucas. Uh, I, I said it wasn't bad, but it's like 90 minutes of beating a dead horse. I mean, I know that recently you yeah. watched uh, or listened to the uh, Plinkett... Uh, I think you listen to the audio commentary. Is that right for the for Phantom Menace? For Phantom Menace, yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, Red Letter Red Letter Media did those long uh, reviews of the Star Wars. The 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 some some of the prequels. best comedy. It's literally some of the best comedy like ever written. I think those are really commentary. amazing. Uh, yeah. And and and, he, and his his commentary his commentary track for for Phantom Menace is is just as good as as any of his as any of the reviews. And he released that are. during the re-release, the 3D re-release, so you could listen to it in the theater while you were watching it. Well, there's a great part at the beginning. He goes, well, I want you to raise your hand if you're <laughs> you know if you're listening to this. Now I want you to look around, and if you see anybody else with their hand raised, you know that they're listening to my voice and not this fucking movie. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I mean, and, and uh, that's some quality entertainment right there. It was, yeah, it was good. And then uh, the last one I'll mention is because it was the biggest, like, surprise for me is I watched 21 Jump Street, mm-hmm. which I wanted to hate. Like, I really, really wanted to hate it, but I absolutely loved it. It was so great. I think a lot of people, the reviews as they were coming out were very similar to that. Some people going in yeah. saying that I had very low expectations. I didn't. I went in thinking that it was going to suck, and we were really pleasantly surprised. I'm looking, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Well, watch it. It's, it's funny. Haven't seen, it's the, haven't seen the Avengers yet, Mo? I haven't seen the Avengers yet, but I did watch. Um, I, w- I did watch Captain America, uh, which I really enjoyed, and I did watch X Men First Class, which I know is not the same thing at all, but uh, another comic book movie that I had had to catch up on. I really loved that as well. Yeah, I, 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 I like both of those movies. I thought Captain yeah. America uh, was... I fell asleep during Thor. That, well, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Not a really fan of that character, to be honest. Sorry, folks. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, just before we finish up, I should mention a couple of movies I've been watching recently. Not as many as you, Mo. I apologize. I did watch uh, a couple of documentaries. I watched Errol Morris's documentary Vernon, Florida, uh, which oh is, nice, yeah, yeah, which is awesome. Uh, I love Errol Morris. Uh, I love that movie. Uh, I hadn't seen it before. Um, and you had never seen Vernon, Florida. Before? I hadn't seen Vernon, Florida before. Huh. I watched it with my wife, who loves documentaries. I don't think she necessarily understood what the fuck was going on. It's a very weird documentary, but it's but it's so like cute and you know and, and like touching you know there are moments that really stick with you as well yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, it's got sort of I mean it's I wouldn't say it's haunting because it's very it's very funny but yeah, yeah. it's it's um, 
I think watching it from this perspective so many years on, like 30 years after the fact, just mm-hmm. knowing that almost all the characters you're watching, probably all the characters, have passed on since then. Uh, sure. It, it's, it's, it, it, there is kind of a haunting element to it because this is a world that doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, I also watched the documentary Marwin Call. Uh, oh, so good. Which is amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. About a gentleman who uh, suffered brain damage after an attack and afterwards uh, lost, uh, well, lost a lot of his memory um, and started making these intricate uh, World War II scenarios uh, using, like, G.I. Joe figures and Barbie figures and building these scenarios and taking photos of them, these amazing photos. Uh, you may, really impressive stuff, yeah. You may have seen there was a small segment on uh, one of the, the TV version of This American Life a while back of this, but this documentary is a must-see. It is amazing because you just what I said, if that doesn't grab you, believe me, there's a lot more kind of weird quirkiness in this movie than you might expect. Uh, yeah, yeah. It takes some odd turns, and um, it, uh, it, it, but it, it it's also, it's one of those, it's a movie that really explores brain damage and the way that when you're returning from that, the kind of weird connections that form in your brain and yeah. and, and the kind of amazing things that can come about it because of it, uh, it's it's really something else. And uh, finally, the last documentary I watched was uh, the Phil Oaks documentary, There But For Fortune, about the folk singer Phil Oaks, who I'm a big fan of. Um, and it's a kind of a depressing documentary because he did kind of drink himself to death and then committed suicide. Sorry, you should know that if you know anything about Phil Oaks. But there's some great music in it, lots of uh, great people in it, like Pete Seeger and Jello Biafra and Billy Bragg and uh, and it's just a really good documentary really solid um, and if you what's that one called again? it's called Phil Oaks There But For Fortune and uh, I saw that on uh, on Netflix really really worthwhile seeing in fact uh, I've, I've been watching a lot of good movies lately um, and uh, including the movie that we covered today Death Metal Zombies I was really happy that it was good <laughs> Yo, know, I've had a I've had a pretty good uh, run for the last you know for the last couple of days as far as movies are concerned. I'm really I think I've only watched like I mean obviously you know I fell asleep during Thor so I don't really count that because I didn't finish it. Mm-hmm. But I mean pretty much everything else I've been I've been watching has been you know it's been three to fives for the most part. You know, um, Mo, yeah. Say if someone was listening to this podcast <laughs> and they were enjoying yes. themselves, or even if they weren't enjoying themselves, they just had to form a strong opinion about something, about what we've said, and they decided that they want to contact us in order to be able to uh, voice their opinion towards us. What would be some of the ways that they would go about that? Well, the first and probably most obvious way is they could contact us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would be at facebook.com slash nightmares. one word. Oh, yes. Um, they could also contact us on the Twitter. Uh, they could contact either one of us directly. I am at drunk on VHS, and you are. I'm at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E Y. Huzzah! Huzzah! We're very active <laughs> on these social networks. Uh, we're, we put up a lot of exclusive information on our Facebook and on Twitter. We just never shut the fuck up. Yeah, I haven't been on Twitter too much. I've lately. noticed that, Mo. I was a little disappointed, yeah. but I guess you've had so much time to watch movies and to snuggle with the. Yes, my <laughs> compatriot over on the after mo- after dinner movie after movie diner, uh, John, you bastard. Anyway, <laughs> well, you know, John learned that I've got cold feet, and I learned that John wets the bed. So, you know, it's a, it's all it was a learning experience. Meeting of the minds, I'm sure. <laughs> but say, well, Mo, Mo, say that someone doesn't give a fuck about social networks. What if they were wanting to to contact us the old fashioned way? 
Oh well, if they want to contact the old-fashioned way, they could they could they could uh, telegraph us through their local Western Union. Mm-hmm. I am at uh, uh, Klondike Alpha Bravo. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Make a, they make can, a phosphate uh, that they could send over to us. They uh, could email. Oh. Hmm. They could email us at nobudgetnightmaresdg at gmail.com. Let me repeat that. Sorry, what? (laughs) Nobudgetnightmaresdg, as in Daily Grind. Oh, right. At at gmail.com. No budget nightmares, all one word, DG as in Daily Grindhouse at gmail.com. I yes. guess that's not bad. I guess that's okay. <laughs> Are you finally coming around to it? It's, I'm warming up to it. Uh, oh, I, I'm good. starting to think that it's actually a terrific, uh, so terrific that it, it it's terrifies people because no one has ever Because <laughs> nobody uses it. <laughs> even people who are sympathetic to us, even people who I may have joked around about this on Twitter, they still, it's like the joke is not to email us. <laughs> I think that's become the joke is that people just don't want to comment to us. Well, please do. Please send us email. Please send us messages on Facebook or Twitter. Please join us on uh, on Facebook because there's so much fun going on. Uh, but before we finish up today, Mo, we really should decide on what the next movie is going to be. <laughs> uh, Do we want to go back to the box set? Let's go back to the box set. All right. We can cut out this whole looking for the box set parts. <laughs> My box set is within reaching distance, but I'm going to let you take care of it. We should put all the titles in, like, a little box. <laughs> What do you mean? Like, like we'll do it like a draw, like a lottery draw. Oh, yeah, gee. You know, we're going to get to that point real soon. You know what, Mo? Even though I told you to look into the box, I have an idea for a movie to watch sure. that you can poo-poo if you want. Okay. Okay, are you going to poo-poo? Well, let me know. Mo, you got to poo-poo first. Uh, <laughs> I thought it might be fun to watch 1989's Robot Ninja, directed by J.R. Brookwalter. Oh, that's, I will never say no to a book, Walter film. Now, I think that this would be a real... Like, I mean, I guess the, the classic one to choose would be The Dead Next Door. But uh, we're talking about if, if um, Todd Sheets is the, uh, the, the father of modern low-budget filmmaking, then uh, J.R. Brookwalter is the godfather. But I think it's, it, it would be fun to revisit Robot Ninja. Sure. 1989's Robot Ninja. It sounds like fun. Without a doubt, I, I like I said, I would never say no to a to a JR Bookwalter film. I love I love JR. We're gonna have some fun here, and I hope that uh, anyone listening right now will be able to join us having some of this fun. Booyah! Booyah! <laughs> well, we gotta end with some energy here. Sorry, a skunk sprayed, and it's just it smells so fucking bad in here. I'm like really, I'm just trying not to pass out. Are you sure that's not the remnants of John? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just messing with you. <laughs> Uh, there, there were some really, there were some really great jokes. I'm trying to remember uh, who was it. Was it? I think it was Joe who said, uh, "Well, at least you don't have to worry about him uh, messing with your toothbrush or something like that." <laughs> uh, like that. that would be Joe uh, from the uh, Daily Grindhouse website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and John, John's response was great. He goes, he goes, "Well, tell Joe I told him. Uh, tell Joe I said he's a cunt." <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daily Grindhouse just got uh, revamped a little bit. There's going to be some changes over the next couple of weeks. So keep your nice. eyes up for that. The features are going to be given their own section, which is going to be nice. For for those who do like reading No Budget Nightmares, my written review for um, for this movie, Death Metal Zombies, should be up by the time you are listening to this. Uh, so uh, so hopefully go over and check that out at dailygrindhouse.com and check us out. Check us and out. The po- and the podcast is going to be in that section too? It, no? Yeah, the podcast will be in that section too. So all the, all the things will be linked together. So, uh, so keep your eyes out for that. Keep on listening. Keep on reaching for the stars and let us know how you feel. And if you're a film director who doesn't like what we have to say about your movie... 
Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Let us know, but let us know in a respectful manner, and we'll be respectful back. In fact, we're always respectful. I'm always respectful. I love people. Good night, everybody. Good night, folks. The podcast you're currently listening to is part of the Second Unit Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at 2upn.blogspot.com or on our Facebook under the Second Unit Podcast Network. Our fantastic list of shows include... Drunk on VHS. We came from the basement. The After Movie Diner. Something Weird This Way Comes with Rue and Mo. No Budget Nightmares. And Dr. Action and the Kick-Ass Kid Commentaries. The Second Unit Podcast Network Bringing you the action Leaving the boring stuff to the other guys Oh my god, there's been a boot on this pile of